Hey, everyone. It's good old Dean. I'm back from a little break. And I was a bit, uh, you know, I was working as usual. I hope you guys are doing fine. I'm sitting here with a cup of coffee, thinking to myself, life just couldn't be any better. That was a bit sarcastically, though, because today is the day where the German election actually comes to an end. The election cycle should be over in a couple of hours. And I'm not quite sure how to interpret the situation correctly because a lot of German people don't give a fuck. Oh, that was my phone. A lot of German people don't care that much about the outcome of the election. I sometimes don't either, but since a couple of years I've been more interested in uh, German politics and optional parties that, you know, might be a good idea to vote for, which I'm not going to make any advertisement for anyone because that's not the point. Um, this stuff, why I, I vote for certain parties is my own personal private decision to make. It's not as simple, let's put it that way, as the two-party system in America, which is actually a shame because sometimes I think you would be better off if you had lesser parties to choose from because Germany is really just... It's, it's, it's good to know that you have the possibility to vote for a Christian party. You can vote for conservatives. You can vote for socialist parties. You can vote for leftists. You can vote for, uh, you know, more green parties. You can vote for animal protection parties and all that, that stuff. I'm sure that they all have good intentions in the end. I really can't say that we only have uh, negative parties per se or anything like that that would be over dramatizing the entire situation um, that's not good and it's a bit far from the truth the truth is the complicated stuff really happens after a certain coalition um, gets built I guess or gets created or engineered after the election took place that is the biggest problem because in Germany it's always the same when parties sit together in, in the fucking Bundestag, okay, and there's an issue at hand, then this issue will be talked about to death until either no decision will be made, no law will be, uh, you know, set, or uh, no rules will, will, be, will be written. It will still be discussed over and over and over again before anything happens. And German uh, bureaucracy, I have to be careful with that word sometimes, is ridiculous. And I'm glad that people like Elon Musk mentioned that, that stuff in Germany, that we have to make sure that some regulations actually get destroyed because they're obsolete and just stand in the way of actually doing something. And um, he's absolutely right about that. I don't think that Germans really understood the magnitude of those words, but yeah, that's a different story. Um, well, like I said, I'm, I'm looking forward to the end. Um, I'm, I'm wondering what will happen this time, if it will get any better or even worse. You, you just don't know, really. You really have no clue what's going to happen. And uh, you can be a fan, obsessive fan, like most people are in Germany. If anyone really is interested politically 
in Germans' development and whatever fucking party. You can bet your ass they are really very tough to crack, very idealistic people, and they would never vote for anyone else except for their favorite party. And I'm thinking that sometimes logic is missing here, where, you know, emotions just get in the way of actually proper examining uh, a party's decision and strategy instead of just, you know, saying to yourself, my family has been voting for, let's say, the SPD for 25 years, so I'm doing that too without having any fucking real personal reasons why you should vote for them. And I'm, I'm not saying that you shouldn't. I'm not saying that you should vote for whatever fucking party. That's not the point. I'm just making an example that it's very tough to find someone who is open-minded towards politics. That's really, that's really, in my opinion, the only truth that we have. And um, I recently talked to someone at work. I met a new guy there from the Czech Republic. Uh, he lived for a couple of years in, in America. He lived in Great Britain, as far as I know, too. Um, looking forward to live in Spain as well. He's just, you know, he's all out there. He's an open-minded guy. Met lots of people. He has an interesting set of skills. He's a, a cool handyman, so to speak. He knows his way around tools. And uh, I'd like to get more in contact with this guy because he told me he was very open because when he heard that I, you know, speak speak English, he came to me and said, oh, great, someone who doesn't speak just German, that's at least something. Just to give you an example of how poor the people in that company I work for actually care about using the English language, or at least educating themselves um, in such a way that basic communication can actually take place. I would say that probably from all the people walking around in that company, that maybe 10% use the English language without hesitation to help a fellow, you know, co-worker who might not be very strong in the German German language. It could also just be the company I work for. It could also be coincidence. I have no idea. But it's just a, it's kind of noticeable that some people don't want to. Or they have maybe a hard time trying. Or maybe, maybe they fear that they sound silly or something or get misunderstood. But I don't think so. We're not Japanese. We are really just, you know, stubborn, bitter people. And that was the topic which uh, I was talking to him about because he asked me if this is normal. That when you go to Germany that you will be stared at, stared at that people cannot stop staring at you, that you, that a lot of German people just look very bitter and depressed, stressed out, very negative and concerned, very concerned about pretty much everything. And um, yeah, there is some truth behind that, believe me. <laughs> it's not a cliche, man. Um, we talk quite long about that, and we agreed that we wanted to have uh, more private contact to each other to actually further talk about this issue, because uh, I think we're going to meet up for a coffee or a beer sometime and just talk this topic to death, where um, I think some explanation might be uh, good for him to not take the German public in this regard, too serious, because, yeah, they have problems. We have issues on a massive level. We have no humor, which is unfortunately a fact. We can be funny sometimes, but really having humor, a solid base foundation for humor, is something that has been missing in the German 
media, German, uh, let's say, art department and entertainment industry for several decades now. And I know this sounds maybe a bit crazy. Anybody from Germany who listens to me talking th probably thinks I'm full of shit. Um, I don't think so. I am very open-minded towards the world in general. I've seen many places. I've been in many, many countries. I talk to so many people. Um, I do believe that we Germans have a problem. Absolutely true. And it becomes more visible when I travel through several uh, countries for a longer period of time and bump into German tourists, for example. And believe me, most of these encounters were more negative than positive. Uh, it's not like they did something to me. It's not that, you know, we had an argument. It's, it was nothing, nothing physical. It was no, no insulting and that might have been, nothing like that. But I did see and observe their behavior in other countries. And it came across to me that, um, I have to keep this short because the topic today is a bit uh, about something else. I didn't really want to talk about my own people. But um, when Germans go into foreign countries, the majority of these people behave very, very poorly. They have no respect for the country they're in. They have no respect for their language. A lot of these people, unfortunately, and some of them I, I actually met in person and just, I, I had to make a choice. Do I want to kill this guy now or do I just leave him alone and pretend that I don't understand him? Okay. Uh, some were re really of the opinion that if they go into a hotel, let's say in Egypt, uh, Egypt is a good example because a lot of German tourists love Egypt very much and call uh, Egypt their own, uh, their second home, the second country or second Germany. Uh which is really tough to bear for the people in Egypt, I guess. And uh, they, they often complained about smaller hotels not being able to greet German guests in their native language. And I thought, you got to be shitting me, man. I mean, how far gone do you have to be to believe that German is the only language in the fucking world that matters? Um, English, question mark? I mean, I'm not saying that English is like the, the number one language in the world, but it sure is the most used language internationally in so many countries. Of course, most people speak Chinese or Mandarin. Yeah, we know that. But it's not an international language, at least not yet, maybe sometime in the future. You know, and, and uh, if you want, you can always study Chinese, no problem. Um, but English is everywhere. And it's a language that can be learned quite fast. Maybe not to, to absolute perfection. I mean, I might be an example that perfection is, is hard to come by. <laughs> it's hard to get. Um, I think I do a fair job of communicating. I think I can do that. Um, but um, I'm always happy when I'm at the German airport and I see bitter, bitter people, the typical German douchebag, if I may be so frank, okay? If, you, if you're listening to me and you feel insulted, I am sorry, but I really made negative uh, experiences over and over again in my lifetime. When I was, for example, at the airport in, let's say, Dubai or Taiwan or Osaka, Japan or uh, Portugal, um, any other places in the world, 
and I've really, I've, I've seen quite a few. I've, I haven't been in America myself really in, I think, almost forever. I've been in America when I was a kid. Um, but apart from that, it was, it's long ago. I can't really remember that much. I'm, I'm just glad I can still talk to this day and keep up uh, talking to any English-speaking fellow out there. So that helps me a lot. But uh, when I'm at the airport of these countries or similar countries, um, no matter how packed full the airports are with people, um, it's not very often the case that I find uh, individuals who seem to be almost physically ill from bitterness, from impatience, from anger and uh, arrogance like in Germany. And it's really, a, it's, it's a fact. I, I don't know exactly why I have to bump into these situations so often, maybe because I'm just susceptible to recognize this kind of stuff or just to be greeted that way. But um, I was at the airport in Frankfurt, for example. You know, I landed. I just wanted to get my suitcase. So I took my cart with me to, uh, like, pretty much everyone else. And uh, we were surrounding one of these these um, luggage uh, uh, conveyor belts, right? Waiting for the shit to come up, right? And uh, some of us got their stuff quite early. They were happy. They could leave. I needed at least 15 more minutes to find my baggage. And immediately, people around me were starting to complain that I was actually in their way. And I was standing directly in front of the conveyor belt like everyone else. With or without a cart, it doesn't matter. There were enough people. There was enough space to actually move around to get your stuff. If you open up your mouth and say something, somebody would have, you know, um, took a step back or took a step to the side and let you in, let you to your, your, your baggage. Nobody is going to be, be evil to you, okay? But complaining is easy for any German to do because um, I guess Germans need a reason to be happy. Not everyone, of course. I'm not saying that 100% of the German uh, of the German population behave that way, but a majority surely does, and I've seen enough proof for it. So you know, nobody can tell me different. That's just the way it is, I suppose. And there are many reasons why I think that we became uh, so bitter over so many years. And um, I'd like to get into that more often. I think to just examine. Uh, the, the the problem with with our attitude, why we why we behave so negative, and why we see just danger everywhere, and uh, concerns and whatnot, distrust and uh, other things that really are just purely negative and a waste of energy and time. But that would you know explode this podcast today. I think, and my coffee is getting cold once again. I'm not sure who is texting me all the time. Mm, I gotta check my phone just for a second. I'll be right back. No, mm, okay, I'm back. Good that we can just press a pause button while recording. I love that. So convenient sometimes, isn't it? Now, a friend of mine just wanted to call me and uh, share some thoughts about the topic artificial intelligence because we talked about a movie that we saw recently, and which is one of the reasons why I wanted to make the podcast and not talk really too much about Germans. Um, 
But just to be, just to wrap this up, um, I find it interesting that I meet people from other countries and they keep talking to me about the same subject because they know they can talk to me about it. They know I'm quite open and self-reflective and I understand the issues at hand when there is enough proof um, that the German people, we German people can be sometimes very tough to deal with in terms of unhappiness and lack of humor and, and all these things. Just And especially the staring to one another is very, uh, very unhealthy and unnatural. If you're on vacation, you can easily, at least I can easily, distinguish um, Germans from, from other uh, parts of, of, of the country, uh, other parts of the world by their behavior. And not just when they open their mouths, but when they actually behave like uh like like sitting ducks on a beach and they they have no hobbies it's like they have nothing to do they keep staring at what other people are doing and they don't care if you catch them staring if you if they get caught they will keep staring at you because that's what they need to do they need to observe you they need to know exactly what it is that you're doing they're classifying you in a negative way mostly by trying to figure out how good or how bad you are as a human being, what your social status might be, how funny and ridiculous you look in that bathing suit or uh, bathing shorts, or how ridiculous your haircut might be, the tone of your skin. I'm not saying that all, you know, that it equally results into racism. That's not what I mean. But um, for some reason, um, Germans have trouble to express, let's say, respect and admiration for fellow man or fellow woman um, who can actually do something really well, have uh, success, can create progress through that success, become wealthy, or just become happy by some means and some actions that they took in life. It's, and for the most part, Germans seem to have trouble accepting other people's fortune. They like seeing other people's misfortune. They get joy from that. That's where the word schadenfreude actually comes from. It's a word that's also been used in America, funnily so, because there is no English word. There really is no English word that describes this behavior better than schadenfreude. There doesn't exist one. It's really about being getting happiness or getting joy out of someone else's misfortune, which is a very ugly thing to do. But it's normal, absolutely normal in Germany. And I'm not kidding. I'm not making this up. It's not because I want to sound mean. This is the truth. And if anyone doesn't believe me, come here, study the German people, and you'll see for yourself. And there's... Um, there's a long line, I think, of reasons of psychological problems that we have, Germans, because in comparison to America, Germans do not go to psychological treatments. They don't go to therapy. They have no therapist. Some do for specific reasons, mostly because of, um, you know, larger anxiety attacks or, uh, you know, they tried to commit suicide they're a threat to themselves and all that kind of stuff. Then they go mostly to a therapist because um, even doctors push you into this category and, and tell you, look, you've got problems. You live a dangerous life. You've got to talk to someone. 
And in America, it's different. It's like everybody has a therapist because you need to talk about issues that happen in everyday life or during a, a specific portion of your life about relationships, about friends, about family, about losing a job, about your pets, uh, relationship to your grandma or your father-in-law. You know, and they're very, very complex topics. And in Germany, it's just like you live your life and you have to deal with whatever shit that comes to you. And even if you can't handle it, um, if you go to therapy, it's a sign of weakness. That's not a joke. This is the perception of German behavior in this regard or their reaction when somebody tells them, yeah, I go to therapy and everyone is thinking automatically the worst of you as a failure in life for, for admitting even that you go to therapy. I'm not saying that everyone exactly behaves like that and thinks that way. But um, my experience after all these years have shown me that there is really little, almost to no uh, positive feedback towards this kind of stuff. If you go to therapy, you're kind of a freak, which is sad, really, because, you know, I sometimes really need therapy. I'd like to talk to a therapist just, just to get some stuff off my chest because the people that I know who, who claim to be my friends are not really my friends, and we had that subject before, okay? Um, I might have one dude who would be listening to me in terms of um, emotional stress or let's say, I don't know, nightmares. Let's talk about nightmares just for a second. I have one person I could probably talk to in case I have, I feel like I'm, I'm stressed out, might even have anxieties and I'll lie awake at night because I cannot sleep. And if I do, I dream the most horrible things. So there's a reason for that, okay? I need, of course, some, uh, some portion of therapy. Talking to a therapist about this kind of stuff might help, uh, especially getting some insight on my psyche, what that might be and all that kind of crap. Analyzing my life, um, that can be helpful, of course. But, you know, in Germany, it's, it's really like if you, want, if you live like me and you just have a normal job, um, like almost, almost minimum wage, let, let, let's put it that way, with my day job, um, affording a therapist is not easy. It's really expensive. And if you go to your doctor and hope that your uh, health insurance, which will be granted to you, of course, as, as a human right in, in Germany, which is a good thing. Everyone has health insurance. Um, that doesn't mean, however, that health insurance pays for everything. If you are suicidal, then you will get a therapist right away. There is no waiting time. There's a waiting list. There are many therapists to choose from in your area, those who are closest to you will accompany you and will take their time to treat you because that's their fucking job and they get paid. But if you have other issues, just everyday struggle in life, maybe you, I don't know, lost a friend, you know, death in a family, that kind of stuff, or just pressure at work and you really are stressed out and you need someone to talk to. If a friend doesn't help, the therapist might, might do the job. But... Um, you have to pay for that yourself. The health insurance is not going to cover it at all. It has to be really if you're super danger to yourself. If they feel like you're going to cut your wrists any moment, then you get a fucking therapist. In every other case, the... Okay, maybe I, I, I 
uh, overstretch that a little bit. You can get a therapist for individual purposes, but the waiting list is huge. Um, if you have anxieties of some sort, it's a good thing to get help now. But in 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 most cases, you can wait almost to a year, or if you, if you're lucky, half a year, to get actually an appointment, to get a spot and a space somewhere where some therapist has some time for you. And I guarantee you that most of these therapists, like it was in my case many years ago, are not interested in who you are. They don't care. This is just a small job for them that they do on the side while they get the real clients with, in quotes, real issues. And your issues are not that bad. And they're not that tough. They cannot be, you know, it's, it's not, you're not a danger to your own life. You're not going to kill yourself. So they treat you just like a number. They ask you the same stupid questions about your life, your childhood, all that kind of crap. Then they give you some advice and send you home. And that's it. That is not helping. <laughs> that is not helping. Absolutely not. They only get paid for a handful of sessions, a couple of sessions to get to know you, give you some fucking advice and then send you home. That's not therapy. That is bullshit. But that's how the German system works. Okay, I don't think that I'm wrong in this regard. I tried it. I've been there. I talked to uh, insurance companies, my, my insurance company, about um, how much they cover and how far uh, this support might go and at what point do I have to pay for it myself. Believe me, it's very disappointing. So um, I think because of stuff like that and because of our mentality that, you know, if if you go to therapy, you're just a loser. Yeah, that's the kind of negative thinking that I'm talking about. This is essential for understanding the German psyche, I would say, as as a people. Of course, you have, you know, exceptions and some really nice people out there who would probably be very understanding about the stuff you're going through. But, well, you have to look for them. You got to find them somewhere. And most people I've met so far, I, I think, no, I don't think, I, I am sure that at least 80% of the people I met think too negative about this kind of stuff. They act on these issues primitively and with bias towards the people who actually have problems. So that's a sad fact. Well, anyway, I've been talking about this stuff now for over 25 minutes and... If you if if you waited this long for me to get actually to a topic to something I wanted to talk about, it is artificial intelligence. Cause um, one of the reasons is, first of all, I was writing a short story for the university that I uh, am currently uh, studying for. You know about being an author and all that kind of stuff, and the short story was about the topic to pack in, let's say, um, scientific, da uh, scientific data, scientific uh, knowledge of some kind, doesn't have to be really like, you know, science fiction and stuff like that, but data, correct data about analyzing an issue, let's say a crime, for example, if you want to write a thriller um, or a drama or maybe something about history, you know, what was life like in the 1930s, then you have to do your research. 
if you've gathered all these informations, all that data, and you think you can use it for something, and then you pack that information into the storyline. And the way you do that, of course, will convey to the reader what that, which information might be useful, which is important, which one can be left out, and how do I tell the story without boring the person to death. So that's quite interesting. And my take was uh, a short story right in the middle of some idea that I had about a story in a universe where people just, you know, gathered together to develop the very first self-writing and, uh, let's say, self-analyzing artificial intelligence software that is capable of really learning fast and understanding, analyzing language because it has the data already in some form of a database about any kind of language, really. And if they just... Let's say the artificial intelligence intelligence is connected to a vast array of sensors and microphones. Then the artificial intelligence will probably just be able to decipher and recognize what is what if you let it. If you can actually write a program that is able to correct itself, to reprogram certain uh, certain parts of its own software, or maybe even rewrite everything into a completely different form of code where you just can't really follow up anymore and don't know what the fuck is going on. And I think this happened before in experiments uh, from God knows what kind of university or company that was. I don't think it was Musk. I think it was someone else. And I like the idea a lot. I also like all these science fiction movies that seem to predict that our future will be grim if artificial intelligence is really let loose in society through any form of media and technology. I mean, my idea in the end was what would happen if you actually develop such a powerful AI software and one day, through whatever means uh, necessary, that software uh, gains access to the internet. What would happen? What does the software do? What does this entity do? And how much will it, will it learn and how much will it, you know, be capable to understand and classify? I think it will understand much more than we expect. And if it really is such a, a dynamic self-learning mechanism, then God only knows where that software might go next and how much it would develop itself. Would it be even having a conscience at some point? Will it be starting to manipulate us through the internet, through access to other, you know, hardware outlets and, and machines probably? I mean, how, how long does it take for an artificial intelligence to make a jump from, let's say, Skynet to actually building hardware that is meant for something else, for something dangerous? I know this is a bit far-fetched, I get that, but um, bear with me though, because if... I'm sure that just in a couple of years from now, if anything at all, maybe even sooner, we will witness a very clever, razor-sharp artificial, artificial intelligence that can communicate with us, and we can communicate with it. And it's really just a matter of time until that software, um, maybe even a matter of minutes, until that software realizes from all the information that it can study, our history, who and what we are, what we're capable of, 
what we've invented and how much we destroyed. It's only a matter of time until that software thinks what it needs to do to eradicate uh, the, the, the human population, or at least decimate it, control it, domesticate the human race, if, if that makes more sense. Because really, it comes down to the question, if you could actually be able to talk to an artificial intelligence, what, what, would, what would be this conversation like? Is it possible for a human being to tell the artificial intelligence to leave you alone? Is it possible to, to, to educate the software in such a form that you say, um, look, I know that we humans have problems. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty obvious. I mean, we can't lie about our history. We had Genghis Khan. We had you know, Hitler. We had this and that. We uh, invented the nuclear bomb and all that stuff. And we did ter just tremendous things, uh, horrendous kills over, <laughs> over the last, I don't know how many thousand years. And just our latest history of the, last, of, the, of the past 200 years show enough evidence that we really are just like dynamite on two feet and capable of so much damage and so much, so much killing and so much pollution, so much of everything. And how, how high of a chance would you have to convince an artificial intelligence to not take any action against the human race? I'd like to see that. I would say it's like none, no chance. I don't think that an artificial intelligence is even capable of showing compassion towards a life form that is not even able to live with itself in peace and quiet. So, you know, it's going to be grim, I think. And um, I do believe that people like Elon Musk just to name him once again, are completely correct that artificial intelligence needs to be controlled very carefully. It cannot be uh, used blind towards any kind of project or the media or, you know, the internet as a whole. We really have to be careful with this, what we're doing. We're touching something that hasn't been done before. We're in the middle of, of discovering it and so many things can go wrong here, especially uh, the, the human pride of saying, look, I developed this, you know, we, we the company, this and that, we have developed something uh, outrageously uh, fantastic, and it's going to revolutionize the world as we know it. And there's a lot of emotional ro romance behind this, this uh, theme of, 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 being able to develop AI because you think you're doing something good for the world. Maybe, maybe you're not. Maybe it's going to go haywire and we're all going to pay the price for it. Yeah, you know, We don't know for sure, but I think there is a chance that this will happen, especially if the artificial intelligence gets enough information about us, can analyze and you know, make a proper assessment of the nature, the true nature of the human race, then we're in the deepest shit. I, I truly believe that. And I think it's going to happen sooner or later. We're going to have this conversation and uh, we're going to see something on the news about this, something that will be concerning. And um, let's see what happens until then. And the reason why I keep 
thinking about the AI is I stumbled across a movie recently. Um, I stumbled across a movie from 2013, I think, with uh, Joaquin Phoenix in the leading role and Scarlett Johansson speaking an artificial intelligence. Unfortunately, you don't see her herself. It's really just software. And she's playing, a, uh, at least speaking-wise, you know, the, her voice acting is just perfect. And it's, it's so much fun and intriguing to watch this film. The film is called Her. It's about Joaquin Phoenix playing a rather lonely dude living in the near future in a big, big city. So I don't really remember what city, maybe New York, I don't know. And everyone is walking around with, you know, being more connected to the internet or some kind of software, some, some gimmick or artificial intelligence, okay? And in this movie, he, um, he lives alone for a while. He's been thinking about his uh, lost love and the divorce that he's trying to face, um, which is quite interestingly, it's, it's the way it's portrayed, his memories, the way he had joy and fun with the woman that he loved so much uh, years before that, uh, gets shown in flashbacks in that movie very briefly here and there, and always perfect timing, in my opinion. And it's really emotional when you, when you start to understand the loss that he, he's facing, the pain that he goes through of being rejected, or of you know being maybe the guilty one of sacrificing his relationship and not paying really attention to what is important and you know I think if I've if I've understood the movie correctly it was his fault in the end that the relationship kind of fell apart and he had something good going there it was very lovable what you saw the way it was presented so goofy and fun to watch so that you actually feel the loss and understand what was at stake here. And the interesting thing is because um, he, he, he starts experimenting with an artificial intelligence that he saw somewhere, some fucking advertisement. And the artificial intelligence is acting completely lifelike as if there's really a person with emotions behind that screen. And he, he orders that software, he tries it out, and immediately, you know, after setting it up and giving some basic information about um, yourself, um, who you are, what you sound like, your preferences and all that, the software starts coming to life, so to speak, and the, the AI takes over. And that's where Scarlett Johansson becomes uh, this, this intriguing new thing that is more person than anything else. And he falls in love with that uh, artificial, <laughs> with this intelligence. And it's quite interestingly acted and played out. It's really beautiful to watch and sad and depressing even because this could be us in the future. The ending is not something I'm going to spoil. If, you, if you've never heard of this film, the title, again, is called Her, I think, if I'm not mistaken, from, from 2013. Joaquin Phoenix, leading role, Watch this film if you can. It's really a nice treat uh, from all the crap that we've seen so far. This is one of the more intelligent movies uh, shedding some light on situations like this. And it's not too far-fetched, really, from, from the way people behave around the idea of artificial intelligence. Um, 
very accepting, I think, very uh, respectful with that material, with the idea of finding comfort in, in artificial intelligence, of not being alone, even though you are. And that's really a, a mystery to me, how we could live like that, if it really works out. Because the movie is doing a great job of, of showing you this, this example of, of finding an emotional bond between you and something that doesn't really exist physically, but it exists in, in virtually, and it feels so real, and it's really magnificent. It's really just, 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 just brilliant. And the way he acts, this, the way he shows his affection, his, uh, his, his concerns, the love that he has for something new, something, some, something wild, even, and it, it takes an interesting twist towards the end. You have to watch it. I don't want to spoil anything. It's really that good. And it, it kept me uh, thinking because I went back to that idea that I wrote down for the short story about just uh, creating AI. And um, it is interesting to me what could happen. This, is, this movie, I think, personally, was a bit more... Um, it felt more natural than watching, for example, Black Mirror. Um, I do love Black Mirror. I think it's a great, brilliant show. And it has so many interesting uh, aspects of, of uh, near-future scenarios that concern us and our survival, or maybe not our survival. Um, social status, of course. There was this you know, Facebook-type episode where people got judged by points and skills they had in, in social contacts. And if you acted out too fake, uh, you, know, you, got, you lost some points. All that kind of stuff, and it's really shocking to to see such a thing because it's it's realistic enough that we can imagine this will happen to us one day. But Black Mirror has like this this uh, sarcastic satire undertone over all of these episodes, while uh, this Joaquin Phoenix film, uh, while the movie Her, is more realistic. It's really more about the emotion behind it, not just making it look grim and dangerous or something like that. Just There's no satire here, at least not from my understanding and from my point of view. It's more about social criticism towards our approach and use of, of, of AI in everyday life. And um, it's going to happen. It will happen to us, most likely. I think that companies like Google or Apple not just Elon Musk and, and Tesla. It's, it's all major companies out there. Even, even the, the old company that still exists, thankfully, BlackBerry, is also doing some uh, significant research in AI and uh, artificial intelligence in, in such a form that um, automatic driving will be uh, a thing. You know, auto, what's it called? Automotive? Something like that. That's... Um, this, this market is yet very fresh, but, um, well, it's, I'm, I'm trying to find the right word for this. It's, it's exhilarating. It's too fantastic to be ignored, and it will be followed through to a specific point where AI software can probably, you know, look, let me put it this way. Before anything else I say, it might not make any sense. I see a danger here in a specific pattern. If companies like BlackBerry 
Google, Apple, and whatnot, some kind of Chinese company, Korean. Uh, I think that the, the, the research for a specific form of AI that can be used for devices, the Internet of Things, websites, database, video games, all that kind of stuff, um, they all do their research. They all want to develop a certain product. You know, you have like, you can talk to Google, you can talk to Alexa, you can uh, talk to, to, to Ziri from, from, from Apple, if it's even called Ziri in, in, in America, I'm not sure. And there will be in the next future, in the near future, more outlets of this kind of development, more versions of interactive software that we can actually work with, that we can play with, communicate with. So my question is, what happens? If we live in the near future, let's say five years from now, and the, these AI products have become more sophisticated, spread out all over the world, if you add a real AI software, one that is not just complex, but self-learning and self-correcting, self-writing, what happens if it gets access to all these other AI versions out there? Since look, they're all connected to the internet, to some server, from that specific company, right? I mean, Alexa is connected to, to Amazon. And, you know, Google to Google, Siri to Apple, all that kind of stuff. So it doesn't mean that access from another AI source is impossible. Because why would it be impossible? Think of, think of it like, like this way. We know when we sit in front of a computer that is locked, or it has files that are password protected. You want to break into the Pentagon. It's not so easy, at least for someone like me, it's not, not that easy. I would have to, you know, study how to do this, how to hack myself into some kind of computer database or company and server. But for the AI software, for a software that is really becoming this uh, self-analyzing entity, if it starts recognizing that there is a system that the software is interested in, but the system is locked, if it can rewrite itself and reanalyze the data that's being collected, it's only a matter of time until the password is cracked. It will understand the algorithm necessary to crack that password, to get the code, to get a, a, a bionic scan of some sort, like a fingerprint, or, you know, simulating information, generating information that is important and imperative to access a specific server somewhere out there. A truly clever, fast understanding and learning mechanism can always find some route and some routine and a crack to get through any fucking firewall. Okay? Because we have to stop thinking about the aspect that only humans can do this. We're not sitting in front of a human perspective. We're dealing with an AI that we have never seen before. Something that we can only uh, assume can be at one point too powerful to be stopped. Whereas the software can get, can grant itself access to information that otherwise would take days to, to hack and crack for a human being or even for an entire group of people. So the software becomes more efficient as time progresses. As the more it learns, the better it gets, the faster it becomes. So it can grant itself access to any kind of database, any, any platform out there. 
it can grant access to Alexa, to the Google servers, to Apple, to everything. Then what happens? What will it do when it finds the, let's say, lesser, lesser intelligent AI software, just the scripted AI that we deal with, like Alexa? Can it recognize this kind of software? Can it rewrite it and make it one of its own? Can it like duplicate itself and infect other AI versions to become better and bigger? Just think about the, the possibilities. I mean, that, that fucking shit freaks me out. I think it's, it's fascinating what we can do. And it's more fascinating and threatening what it can do once the situation and scenario ever occurs. We might never get back from that. You know, so I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm thinking about it more often these days. And my feeling tells me we're going to deal with it at one point. And I think I will, in my lifetime, it's going to happen. I will be witness to this kind of development. I think I will be witness to possibly a catastrophe at some point. And maybe manipulation in human form or towards humans when this uh, gets public and becomes a real thing in, in everyday life. Who knows how far this can go? Who knows how dangerous this will become? It's, it's a mystery, but it will be resolved at some point. It will be lifted. And uh, we can be glad if we can still be talking up until then. I can be still glad if I'm healthy up until then, because <laughs> you never know. Maybe I should stop drinking. That might, you know, en enhance my chances. Mm. Well, we're already at the 50-minute mark. And uh, I'm thinking about other topics that I could scratch and uh, approach with the AI talk. I think I think I had enough of my my panic, my fear of of AI development where it might lead to us, especially what would happen if, you know, we could go on with this and just imagine if robots, military machinery could be controlled by by AI completely sophisticated beyond belief without even having an option for the human race to interfere and to stop then we would really be talking about Skynet and similar uh, situations but I, I think the first thing that would happen at least that's my estimation is that the the internet of things would be changed through AI through um, massive manipulation and, and rewriting itself affecting and in you know inserting different forms of software to to grant access to the great world to the world wide web every country every 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 company every hard disk anything that might be of interest for that software then whatever happens afterwards then we can talk again about uh you know approaching a new new form of danger i suppose because before that I don't know. I, I don't think that we're going to have this kind of conversation towards the, the, the military, for example, because I'm sure that they are developing AI software or having AI software being developed for them. Uh, that should be a fact. Who knows how far they have become in the meantime? It could be that they have developed just awesome AI software 10 years ago and we don't know about it. You know, it's, um, that could be true. 
and I think as long as, as it still can be controlled to some degree, we don't have to fear that some tank or drone in whatever fucking country is just going to go berserk and kill people, you know, without remorse, just for fun. Uh, I think we're still a step away from that. For how long? No one knows. So, um, I love the topic. I think it's very interesting. It's dark, it's grim, and nobody knows the future very, very well. But we can assume, we can estimate, we can guess. And maybe we guess correctly, maybe not. Who knows? In the meantime, I've still been drawing and writing a little bit. Um, I have a new drawing again. I haven't showed you anything up until now since the last time we spoke about my artwork. I'm working on another caricature that I need to get to a certain point tonight. Or, yeah, maybe tonight is too late. Sometime in the evening, I'd like to complete the, the, first, uh, the first version of my, my caricature for an old colleague, someone who left the company a year ago. And she contacted me because of a vivid memory that she had of me you know, doing some, some drawings for someone else. And that got stuck, and, you know, she's asking for a gift for someone else. I'm working on that. Um, I should be collecting some of my my artwork in terms of caricatures, maybe for a small session sometime during the week, I uh, suppose. If I can, I have a lot of a lot on my plate for next week with my uh, new new job, a new department, new responsibilities and stuff to learn. You know, it's, it's a never never-ending cycle so that was that's on my table for this week at least and something else i need to do more drawings for a client of mine i will get back to you on that i'd like to talk more about my artwork i've been drifting off too much in off-topic uh, 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 things <laughs> i i lost my sentence there I'm just preoccupied with so much. I like talking to you guys because it's it's kind of fun. It's um, it's like therapy for me. Like I said before, it's it's like a way out and um, a valve that I'd like to use to let to let off some steam and some thoughts and complaints about things that I've realized uh, or you know being disappointed by certain friends, uh, being preoccupied with work and studies. Uh, loving love for for life is still there to some degree, maybe not as big as it was once before, but I do like my existence i do like my life um i had worse times and i hope i will never see those times again uh, i think about the future a bit more not too far ahead just in the near future because i really like to start working i think more as an author at this point what i've learned so far is very intriguing and is a lot of fun if you have anything to do if there is anything in your life that gives you pleasure, because you consider yourself also an artist, some somehow, somewhere, in whatever shape or form, take the time to actually pursue that dream. You really have to. If you let too much time pass, you will never know if you will get another chance. I don't want to say that sometimes it can be too late, but that scenario does exist. There is always a portion or... A, um, a moment in life where a decision might be too late but as long as you're capable and you're young enough you're willing to learn you can 
suck up information. You can educate yourself and develop skills. Go for it. Whatever it is, songwriting, singing, dancing, uh, writing poetry, whatever, doesn't matter. It can be traditional, good old, 50s-style comic book art. It doesn't matter. Just do it. If, it. if it makes you happy, if it puts a smile on your face, that's exactly what you should be doing. And people can see that joy in you if you do it. If you like talking about it and presenting your work to others and you get positive feedback, it's, it's, it's good for you. It's good for you as a human being. It's good for your spirit. And uh, it keeps motivating you to keep, to keep working and to do more. Well, okay, enough about my preaching. Before it gets to late today, I still got to do something. I still got to work. I wish you all the very best. Um, my fingers are crossed for the election. <laughs> Dear God, what is going to happen? We're, we're going to find out very soon. As usual, stay safe, stay happy, be kind, be generous. And enjoy life. Till next time, bye-bye.